by a quick show of hands and with no judgment given if you raise your hand, how many of you have ever either ironically or unironically used the hashtag blessed? Yes. If you don't know what a hashtag is, we can just talk afterwards. I'll explain it. Uh, if you look and follow the hashtag blessed, uh, you click on it, you find all sorts of gems, right? You'll find moms celebrating a full night of sleep for their kid, hashtag blessed. You'll find athletes celebrating their win, their trophy, hashtag blessed. Uh, you'll find birthday wishes, you know, made it through another year, hashtag blessed. After they get a really awesome gift, hashtag blessed. Travel photos, so many more, you can just go on and on and on. Hashtag bless this idea of blessings is a way that people truly and honestly, and then yes, also ironically, and publicly celebrate and share the ways in which they have been blessed. So that makes me wonder, what does this mean exactly to be blessed? One might say that we traditionally associate this word blessing or blessed with a special benefit, maybe given to us by the universe, or God, or karma. And it's usually seen as a reward for good behavior, right? Now, we might say that we believe in grace, but if we're honest, we really believe in a theology of merit-based reward and punishment. People who are happy, who have a lot of material wealth, who have a good reputation, who enjoy good food and drink, They maybe don't have a lot to worry about. They're often seen, even if we're not totally aware of it, as maybe deserving of it. Like wealth and happiness are somehow a reward for effort and hard work. We like to think and we say we don't really believe this, but again, a search of the most widely shared quotes and motivational pictures on the internet will prove my point. So here we go. You can't have a million dollar dream with a minimum wage worth work ethic. Oh, I have so many problems with this. Yes. Good for the booze coming over there. Agreed. Uh, I'm not a product of my circumstances. I'm a product of my decisions. Did you guys know you can decide your way out of anything? It's like magic. I hope, pray, wish, cross my fingers and my toes that you will look around and find the opportunity to be your own hero. Did you guys know you can be your own hero? Did you know that? You deserve to be happy. You deserve to live a life you're excited about. Don't let others make you forget that. The happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. So you just need to think yourself out of your bad circumstance. Some people dream of, some, of success, others wake up and achieve it, right? So now, yes, you know that I already said these, aren't, these are kind of all crap, right? But how many of you sort of believe them somewhere deep down inside of you, right? You read some of those and you're like, I kind of, maybe I shared that one once, whoops, right? Even if we know it's not true, somewhere deep inside we still kind of believe this. Kate Bowler wrote a lovely book we read here as our one read last year called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. And she talks about this set of lies that she has spent her life mostly buying into. So check out what she has to say about that. So I 
called the book Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved because there are so many lies I didn't realize that I was just completely obsessed with. Like the first was that I can outwork any problem. Like I once lost use of both my arms because of this like nerve thing. And I did my entire dissertation, which is to say I wrote a book with no arms on bad dictation software. Like I just think I can outwork anything. So that kind of came to a crashing halt when I got stage four cancer. As it turns out, I do not have a lab in my house and I cannot cure cancer. So I just came to the end of myself really fast and realized like, no, I cannot outwork every problem. The second I got sick and everyone rushed in with their reason, I realized how much I had secretly loved the idea that everything has a purpose and maybe everything happens for a reason. And so just to realize that not everything is like a boomerang where you send it out in the world and it comes back to you, that some things are just tragedies that show up at your doorstep. I realize that like, and I guess this is the third lie, is that I'm not special. And like, yes, I'm special to my parents and I'm a beloved child of God, but like, I'm not, I'm not special in so far as like, I am not the exception to the rule that sometimes bad things just happen. So yeah, bad things happen and it happened to me. And that was, that was hard to get my mind around. So when we view bad things happening as a result of some sort of bad action or that it has a purpose or that it's going to be used by God for something good and then good things are the result of us just being like really good people and kind and good actions, we are, as Kate says, just buying into the lies our culture has placed on us over and over again. So for a quick recap, the things we most commonly believe, even if we've buried it deep down inside, that show blessing are typically wealth, material things, health, happiness, good reputation, basically a good, carefree life without a lot to worry about. So Jesus ends his sermon on on the plane to this group of people with the woes. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full. Woe to you who are laughing. Woe to you when all speak well of you. So it feels kind of like it, exactly opposite of all the things I just listed that we tend to feel like are the way God blesses us, right? And it feels pretty harsh. In fact, finishing that section of Luke and then stopping there, like, cool, and then going and sit down, it feels like you can't even say this, this is the word of the Lord with a big, like it doesn't fit there, right? It feels so harsh. So there are a few things to note in this gospel passage from Luke. Uh, The first is that Luke ends his list of blessings by pushing back on the things that were commonly, maybe still are, seen as evidence of God's blessing. Now the Greek word we translate as woe here is not a statement of damnation. Like Jesus is saying, too bad for you who are rich, all hope is lost. And these woes aren't threats either. He's not saying, hey, you happy people, you're not going to be happy for long, right? It's not a threat. The word in Greek is oi. And in case you got excited, it's not O-Y, it's O-U-A-I, oi. And it is a word of voiced lament. Think of it as kind of a 
oh man, or a oofda for us Minnesotans, yes. In the time of Jesus, the prevailing belief was that wealth and health and happiness were truly indicators of how you were doing in God's book. They really believed that this was how you knew what people were doing all right for God. Wealthy and happy people must be doing something right, right? So these woes Jesus leaves this crowd with are a warning. They're a way to say, look out. Look out. These things you've been perceiving as blessings, the things you've been holding up for your security, they are lies. They are traps, not truth. When we hold up these things as indicators of blessings, we are falling for the lie. Traps, not truth. So Jesus makes this kind of huge statement with these woes. And it is a shocking and radical reversal of everything they've been taught and had believed. He totally blows the order of things out of the water. But before he does that, this is how he ends his sermon, he preaches and teaches in a specific place. So Luke says he goes to a level place. This is a small sort of detail we breeze past, but it is important. Most of the time when we get these blessings from Jesus, the Beatitudes we call them, they are given on a mountain, right? The Sermon on the Mount is maybe one of the most well-known sermons of Jesus. And a part of what we remember about it is that Jesus sat up on a mountain so that he could preach to all of the people who came to hear him. But not this time. Luke's account of the Beatitudes has Jesus on a level place. As the crowd around Jesus in this telling is filled with all sorts of people, it's Jews and Gentiles, Jesus is surrounded by people from everywhere. And one of the things that Luke's Gospel is trying to get across is that Jesus is for all of us. And that Jesus is, in fact, one of us. This list of blessings, this list of what the kingdom of God looks like, comes as Jesus is on the same level they are, not up on a mountain looking down on them, but with them. Now, we've spent the last couple of weeks in Luke being reminded over and over again that the good news Jesus is bringing is for everyone, not just the ones who think they deserve it or maybe worked really hard, gotten some reward, not just the ones who've always been there, not the insiders, Jesus begins to speak to the crowd around him and reminds them that this kingdom he is bringing is something different than what they are used to. And blessings in this kingdom look a certain way. And then he begins his blessings. Now, just like the word woe, we might assume the word blessing means how we traditionally think of it, right? Blessings here are not some benefit given from God. And Jesus knows that the people are assuming that from the word. But the Greek word that is used in Luke's gospel is makarios, and it means something more like unburdened or at peace. So hear this, be unburdened, those of you who are poor. Be at peace, those of you who are hungry or who are weeping. It's different than 
don't worry, you're going to heaven, right? That's a different way of speaking. And to be clear, this whole sermon is not about salvation. It is not about an end result. It is about the kingdom here and now. Jesus does not say here that wealthy people are not a part of the kingdom of God. He simply says, hey, if you're wealthy, that's kind of your reward already. Like, good for you. Your wealth doesn't buy you anything in the kingdom, however. He doesn't say to happy people who laugh and have a lot of food to eat, hey, you're not going to be welcome in this kingdom of mine. He's simply reminding them that, you know what, those things are just not evidence of the blessing of God in your future. In this kingdom, the ones who are blessed are poor, hungry, weeping, hated, excluded, reviled. Notice in this list, Jesus does not say the poor in spirit, and he does not say those who hunger or thirst for righteousness. There's not quite as much room for interpretation when Jesus says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry now. He reminds them that this kingdom that's coming is going to remove burdens. Two weeks ago, I preached that the gospel at its core should and is, should be and is about liberation. It's about freeing people from oppression. And today's gospel reminds us of that same thing. And it's already pretty clear when you go through that list of blessings given, but then Jesus moves to the woes, and there is simply no misunderstanding possible. Not just blessings to the poor, but woes to the wealthy. Watch out. Don't put your hope in that money. Not just blessings for the hungry. Don't worry, hungry people, I got you. But woes to the full. Don't assume that because you have food on your table, you're okay. These blessings and woes are paired so there can be no wiggle room. Jesus is flipping the script here, right? He's making this radical statement over and over again, hoping there will be no mistaking what kind of kingdom he is bringing as he comes to be with us, right in the middle at a level place. This kingdom is a kingdom of radical, shocking blessings lavishly handed out to everyone. But most importantly, first to those who are usually forgotten. This kingdom is one that doesn't leave out those who have been traditionally thought to have some kind of leg up in the system, but it is a kingdom of a level place with an emphasis on lifting up those who have been brought down. This is, for us, again, a hard word from Jesus. Because most of us sitting here would be able to use, truly use the hashtag blessed without irony. This is a hard word we would do well to hear as clearly now as when he preached it then. So we ask ourselves some question in this space this morning. What are we putting our trust in? What, as Kate Bowler said in that video, brings us to the edge of ourselves? Do we somewhere think that our wealth 
or our happiness or our reputation or productivity will be the thing that indicates how blessed we are by God? And the second question is, who might be the ones included in a list of blessings that Jesus gives if he were to stand up and preach this today? Because truly, this is who we are sent to find and love and care for and be with in this level place of the kingdom of God. Pastor Nadia Boltzweber asked this same question, Lutheran pastor, and wrote some modern Beatitudes just a couple years ago. And I think it's helpful to have these in front of me anytime I see the Beatitudes uh, come forward in our text on a Sunday morning. And I think it's helpful as I read them to you now to listen for you to listen for two things. So in this text, or in this modern Beatitudes, listen for the parts where you find yourself. And when you find yourself in her list, hear, clearly hear the grace and love and blessing given to you in this kingdom of God that Jesus is bringing to the here and now. And the second thing is to listen for the parts where you might feel called to go and bring some of that same blessing to others. There's a part in it which talks about overburdened caseworkers and overworked teachers. And there's a few of you in this room, right? And so to know, like, how might you go and share a blessing with an overworked teacher? What would that look like? So to ask yourself where you feel called to go and bring that same blessing to others. We are blessed and sent. This is always two parts. We are blessed and sent. We are shown lavish, unconditional grace, and we are sent to share it with others in a level place. Blessed and sent. So, caveat. I did cry when I read this during the first service. Um, So you might want to get a Kleenex out right now if you're prepared. And I'll do my best. Uh, But also, I said this at the end of the first service. Sometimes the reason I'm up here crying when I read this is because we are just so hungry for this kind of blessing in the world. We don't hear it often enough. And it kind of it's so overwhelming to read it and to hear it that that just comes out of my eyes. So there you go. Modern Beatitudes by Nadia Boltzweber. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the agnostics. Blessed are they who doubt, those who aren't sure, who can still be surprised. Blessed are they who are spiritually impoverished and therefore not so certain about everything that they no longer take in new information. Blessed are those who have nothing to offer. Blessed are they who, for, for whom nothing seems to be working. Blessed are the preschoolers who cut in line at communion. I would add to this the kids who stick out their hand and their parent pulls it back down real quick. You are of heaven and Jesus blesses you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are they for whom death is not an abstraction. Blessed are they who have buried their loved ones, for whom tears are as real as an ocean. Blessed are they who have loved enough to know what loss feels like. Blessed are they who don't have the luxury of taking things for granted anymore. Blessed are they who can't fall apart because they have to keep it together for everyone else. Blessed are the motherless, the alone, the ones from whom so much has been taken. Blessed are those who 
still aren't over it yet. Blessed are they who laughed again when for so long they thought they never would. You are of heaven and Jesus blesses you. Blessed are those who no one else notices. The kids who sit alone at middle school lunch tables. The laundry guys at the hospital. The night shift street sweepers. Blessed are the losers and the babies and the parts of ourselves that are so small. The parts of ourselves that don't want to make eye contact with a world that only loves winners. Blessed are the forgotten. Blessed are the closeted. Blessed are the unemployed, the unimpressive, the underrepresented. Blessed are the teens who have to figure out ways to hide the cuts on their arms. You are of heaven and Jesus blesses you. Blessed are the wrongly accused, the ones who never catch a break, the ones for whom life is hard, for they are those with whom Jesus chose to surround himself. Blessed are those without documentation. Blessed are the ones without lobbyists. Blessed are foster kids and trophy kids and special ed kids and every other kid who just wants to feel safe and loved and never does. I just want you to know I made it a lot farther this time. Blessed are they who know there has to be more than this because they are right. You are of heaven and Jesus blesses you. Blessed are those who make terrible business decisions for the sake of people. Blessed are the burnt-out social workers and the overworked teachers and the pro bono caseworkers. Blessed are the kids who step between the bullies and the weak. Blessed are they who delete hateful comments off their friend's Facebook page. Blessed are the ones who have received such real grace that they no longer are in the position of ever deciding who the deserving poor are. Blessed is everyone who has ever forgiven me when I don't deserve it. Blessed are the merciful, for they totally get it. You are of heaven, and Jesus blesses you. Lavish blessing. Lavish blessing just thrown at us. That list is not exhaustive. It's not the end. There is more, and it continues. And our job in this kingdom of God that is here and now is to take that blessing into a world that needs to know that they are loved, that they are of heaven, to look at somebody in the face and say, you are of heaven, and Jesus blesses you. What a gift. What a gift. Amen.